Hi, and you're very welcome to another episode of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm Brefney Early, and I'm joined once again by Piemont and Ireland striker Stephanie Roach. Stephanie, another week done. How was your week? You had a week o- weekend off over a bank holiday. It must feel like a, a new enough event in your world. Yeah, it's been a while, all right, and it's funny. We spoke before we came on here, and all I've done was watch football all weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was, it was difficult not being playing because we got off to such a good start last weekend. And to have a big break now between now or the Wexford game and playing Shells is is frustrating. But it was nice to be able to watch some of the games on the Watch League of Ireland and also watch some of the Premier League games. So, yeah, that was pretty much my whole weekend. <laughs> In terms of, I suppose, the structure of the league, there's nine teams. You can't make a, a match with an odd number of teams. So one team is idle every week. This time it was your turn. How many of the other games in the league did you get a chance to have an eye over this weekend? Yeah, I watched the Shells and Cork game fully and then I've seen the highlights of pretty much all the other games online as well. So it was good to be able to watch all the games. Well, let's start with the Turners Cross and Shells trip down to Cork. Um, Shells be happy, reasonably good performance, but Cork didn't, uh, didn't I suppose, they didn't disgrace themselves. They were, they were really, really good in that game as well. It probably doesn't even really properly reflect the scoreline. 3-0, probably about right. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the pitch probably, the size of the pitch and the way Shells play. Obviously, I know Cork try to play good football as well, but I think it suits Shells a little bit more. I think they took advantage of all the space and they have players like Emily Whelan with pace in behind and Saoirse Noonan obviously going back to her former club and getting the two goals as well. But it's, I think Cork, in fairness to them, have had a difficult start to the season and um, being away to Galway first and then having Shells at home. They're not easy games, but I think Shells were well-deserving uh, winners on the day. Yeah, I did worry for Cork when Shells went two up after about a dozen minutes, uh, and I thought this could, this could, the floodgates could just open here. But I think they really, really just looked after the, the game and managed the game really, really well. And it was only in the last, maybe the last minute or two of the match when Saoirse got her second to, to make it 3-0. Um, there never really was going to be more than one winner. It was always going to be Shells from about that 10 or 12th minute once uh, Saoirse got the second goal. Um, but they really did cause Cork a lot of trouble. Yeah, look, I think Cork are always going to be kind of, we've seen it against Galway, they didn't kind of sit back and, and just accept the, the defeat to try to keep going. And I think that's something that they've been better at this season, probably their game management a little bit better um, in terms of, I think, a couple of times they go along when they know they need to and they don't get to play off in the back and they went into City. So I think their game management definitely has got a little bit better this season. Um, as I said, difficult uh, start to the season for Cork, but as I said, Shells deserving winners on the day. I think they've played some good football at times and and came home from uh, Cork with their three points. Yeah, now the game, the other game that I watched nearly in its entirety on Saturday evening was at Lone Town versus Treaty. Uh, an absolute humdinger of a clash. Uh, some fantastic goals. Three all was the final score. Uh, Moan Ernie opened the score, and after nine minutes, Rebecca Horgan, uh, five minutes later, and then set up her sister for uh, to give Treaty the lead. Uh, Emma Dunn, who scored for. Uh, at Lone, uh, um, before Rebecca Horgan got back on the score sheet again, it was 3-2 at the break, and then it was Caitlin Kyo, um on the hour mark, more or less, uh, saw that. I think, for me, the story of, the, of that game was Jenna Slattery. She had a, a whirlwind couple of minutes, and that's literally all her game lasted. She came on at 62 minutes, booked on 66, booked again on 69, and out the gate. Um, <laughs> a fairly short and disappointing, I'd imagine, from her point of view, performance for that I think she just came into the game and wanted to make an impact and two fairly fairly poor challenges I think it's fair to say um she'll be disappointed with that though 
yeah, definitely. I think it's not what any player wants to do. Obviously, they want to come in and try and make an impact. But look, she'll learn from that. And hopefully for her next game, she'll be able to kind of, or when she's back from suspension. Um, I don't know, is it one or two, three games? I'm not sure how it works. Well, it's been decided yet. It's definitely it one, and then it's it's dependent on, yeah. Yeah, how it, then the malice or whatever in the tackle. But yeah, as I said, she'll learn from that and be able to push on when she comes back. But it's just about, I suppose, maybe being a little bit too eager to to put make an impression and put the tackle in, you know, that way. And, and obviously, as you said, to kind of rash tackles to get sent off. I think, to be fair, it was probably the first challenge and they got her sent off. If, if that sounds a bit strange, I think yeah, the first, yeah, challenge was, was, first challenge was very poor, um, just too exuberant. And then I think the ref gave her the benefit of the doubt and booked her when maybe a red was a possibility for that challenge. Yeah. And then when the next one came in two or three minutes later, I think the ref just said, "Okay, I've given you the benefit of the doubt once. You're going to have to go this time." And it's just unfortunate for her because she she was pretty good uh, the first game out against um, against Bowes she was fairly decent for three I know they lost the game quite heavily but she she impressed me in, in the performance so it was disappointing for them to lose her on that Treaty seemed to be having an issue with with that's I think their third red card of the season when you include the men's and the women's I don't know what it is about Treaty but they're eager and just exuberant and want to get in, involved in the in the challenges um, three all in terms of the actual football that was played on, on the day um, pretty entertaining game some just big moments, some really well-taken goals. Um, I think Athlone have have really impressed me with some of the players they've brought in. Yeah, Athlone are a good team. I thought we spoke before the season started, we played them in pre-season. And uh, last season, even I think the way they tried to play and the way they tried to set up, they're going to be difficult to beat. Um, but they also like to try and play. Um, they played in the counter-attack really well against us a few times. The player on the left wing, I'm not sure of her name, but she came inside a few times and got on the end of, of nice true balls from from uh, Miran Devani, I think it was playing the balls through for her. So look, they have, as I said, that kind of never say they don't want to be beaten, but they also have players who can play as well when they do have the ball. So look, they're an exciting team. I think we've touched on it a lot this uh, season. It's going to be a competitive season. No team is going to come in wanting to lose games. And and both Treaty and Atlone, obviously, I'd say we're, we're disappointed not to come away with the win, but a very, very entertaining game for people to watch, which is good to see. Yeah, Kaylin Kyo um, has been playing wide in the right. I'm not sure if that's who my, you might be talking about. Um, she may have switched from wings when she played against you in preseason, but uh, Caitlin Kyo has been very impressive in, in both of the games so far. Um, and then Moan Ernie and Laurie Ryan just give that little bit of experience up top as well. Uh, another game I watched uh, most of the game of the other evening, DLR Waves, Wexford Utes. It looked for a moment like DLR were going to pull off somewhat of a shock, but then you have been flagging this for a while. Uh, a very early goal, um, they broke away just so was Carla McManus got on the end of a long ball after five or six minutes, uh, found the back of the net, really good finish. She had loads of work to do to make that uh, hit the back of the net. And then it was just late on, uh, Kylie Murphy popped up just to equalize. And uh, it was never really in doubt once she kind of uh, got her head on the ball and she just said, I'm doing this. And, and she finished nicely to, to, to level the scores and take a point back to Wexford. Yeah, look, I think, as I said, you said, I've touched on it. I think the LR are going to be a difficult team for, for everybody this year. I think that surprised a lot of teams. Um, I don't think they're too far off pushing the likes of ourselves, Shells and Wexford for that title. And I think it'll come in the next couple of seasons. I'm hoping not this season because obviously you want female to win it. But uh, I knew coming into that game against Wexford that they gave them a good game. Um, I think Wexford, in fairness to them, showed their experience. They kept going. And obviously the player you mentioned, Kylie Murphy, getting that goal to get them back into the game. But yeah, a very, very good performance from DLR. And I think they've shown everybody in the league that they're not here just to take part. They're here to really make a go of it this season. And, and I think they will will be a very competitive team this year. 
Yeah, final game of the weekend. Galway Women's FC versus Bowes. 3-1 winners for Galway. They'll be delighted with that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Bowes going down there as well, I would have thought it might have been a bit more of a competitive game. Um, I actually didn't see it. It's probably one of the games I didn't watch a lot of. i just seen the goals. Um, but yeah, look, Galway would be delighted to get the win. Uh, Rachel Kern's obviously happy to get another goal as well. Be top of the goal scoring charts there too. So look, I think Galway has... We'll, we'll speak to Becky later about this, but they're a difficult place to go to and and a very, very good result against a good team in balls. Yeah, of course, the goal scorers there, as you mentioned, Rachel Kearns uh, on half hour. Kate Slevin, who did impress without finding the back of the net against uh, Cork two weeks ago. Uh, she's got the second 35 minutes, uh, while Lindsay McKee, just before the hour, uh, wrapped it up 3-0 at that stage. Bowes with a late consolation. Chloe Darby, uh, 71 minutes in that game. Um, that leaves the league table uh, looking with, like shells clear at the top of the table. Six points from their two games. Galway on four points. And then a load of teams, well, yourselves and Bohemians, uh, albeit only after one game in your case, uh, because of the idle week, you've three points each. While DLR Waves and Wexford, they share the spoils in UCD. They have a point each, uh, along with Athlone Town, Cork City and Treaty. So everybody off the mark, at least. That's quite nice for every team to have at least one point. Um, But it's going to be an interesting league. And I think we've touched on this before. It's going to be tighter uh, than it has been in recent years, particularly at the lower end of the table, I think. I think those bottom three or four teams that have tended to be cut adrift a little bit, I think that gap is going to be just that little bit tighter to the third and fourth spots than they would have been over the last few years. Yeah, definitely. And even, I think, the likes of, as you mentioned, that loan, three he bows i'm not even mentioned the lr because i think the lr are going to be closer to us than than they have been in all the seasons so far but i think those teams are going to be able to pick points off shells ourselves wexford's hopefully not ourselves but i think they will be looking to do that as well as kind of being more competitive within that small group of teams if that makes sense so look it's it definitely makes for a better season particularly with the games being streamed now i think every game is going to be competitive and and i just think it's good for for the women's national league to be I think sometimes when you look when you look on Twitter and you see the scores where eight nil or nine nil, you can be like, oh Jesus! I remember even playing in games myself, and we'd be probably hammering a team, and you're kind of almost you don't want to go and score more because you don't want people seeing it. It almost makes the league look a little bit more amateur. Whereas when you can get games where it's more competitive, you've got three three draw three all draws draws. Uh, the likes of Bowes getting a little bit more competitive in games. Obviously, they got their first win at uh, women's national league last week. Um, it's it's just it makes it all the better I think for for the league and as I said it's it makes it sound more competitive it makes it people who are looking in and it kind of take more notice because I think sometimes when you see games that are kind of being teams being hammered for or nine or ten nails sometimes over the years I've played and it, it just doesn't look good so for me I think it's a huge positive uh, as much as I don't want any of those teams taking points from payments uh, it is it, it does make for better watching and better viewing Absolutely. It does mean also that uh, there's less goals in the league. So people like yourself have been gunning for that top goal scorer award. Uh, Rachel Kearns, as you mentioned, she's top of the charts at the moment, four goals in her opening two games. Uh, we have a couple of players on two goals, Aoife Robinson, Brona Kane, Rebecca Horgan, and her sister, Aoife Horgan, and Saoirse Noonan with that brace down in Turner's Cross. Four shells, which is a very weird. Probably not never going to get quite used to saying that. Uh, but um, it is what it is. And then there's maybe a dozen or so players with a goal each. No Stephanie Roach on that list yet, though. Uh, when are we going to see <laughs> Steph's first goal? Hopefully against Yells. Obviously, big games coming up. Um, 
I think the game against Wexford, I think I don't think I had any chances. I had one kind of half chance where the ball flashed across the six-yard box and just couldn't quite get to it. But yeah, I'll hopefully have a few more chances against Shells and I'll be able to get off the mark in that game. That would be a good one to start with. Yeah, in terms of uh, goals saved, uh, we do have two goalkeepers who've managed to keep a clean sheet so far this season. Amanda Budden has two on her account, uh, while Neve Reed burke your teammate at Piemont, has one. Maybe it's a good opportunity for us to maybe have a little chat with Nemo and uh, see what she has to say for herself as well. Here's a chat we had with her earlier today. Now, Steph, we've been talking a lot about Piemont with yourself over the last few weeks, but I think it's time maybe we got a different view from within the Piemont camp and have a chat with maybe one of your teammates. So we've invited along one of your both Ireland and Piemont United teammates to the show. Uh, Neve Reed burke your uh, all-star goalkeeper, essentially, uh, joins us. Nemo, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks so much, guys. Pleasure chatting nice. to you. Steph has been very tight-lipped on everything that's going on in Piemont over the last few weeks. Um, we've tried a couple of times nicely to kind of get more information out of her. What can you tell us about how the club has been going this year? It all start, seems to be fairly bright at the start of the year anyway. Yeah, yeah. Everything's been kept top secret now. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we've just been keeping our heads down. Uh, we've been very aware that with the success we've had in the last two seasons that the spotlight very much is on, on us at the moment. So we've been trying to just work super hard um, stay hungry and uh, keep our heads down and everybody's feet in the ground before um, the kind of the difficult bit starts with the obviously league starting last weekend for us. Yeah, it's been, uh, I suppose, one of those kind of openings to the league. You had a game, then you have a week off, now an international break. Um, from your own personal point of view, obviously you've been in the news recently because of your retirement from international <laughs> football. Uh, how weird is it looking at an international break from the outside in because you've been there thereabouts for most of the last probably seven or eight years yeah it's it's bizarre I think I, I said to my family at the weekend I think this is the first Easter in about 15 years that I haven't had any type of football so that was really bizarre <laughs> kind of felt myself I was like geez what do you do with four days off <laughs> but uh yeah uh, it was it feels very bizarre um not being involved and like kind of seeing the buzz around the camp uh, I was chatting to Karen Duggan and she told me that you might experience this as well so uh, I was kind of expecting it a little bit but uh, it's really nice to be able to like I don't know let the stress just you don't feel it and um, kind of get the vibe of being from the outside for once it's kind of a nice feeling too uh, so I'm just trying to adjust to that at the moment. Yeah, you. I suppose you you spent a bit of time as, as understudy to Emma Byrne. How difficult is it when you're trying to break into an international squad to have a player of that quality? Um, I suppose really as a roadblock in, in the nicest way possible to really getting more caps on the board. Yeah, like I, you can only admire what Emma has done, and the only thing you can do is learn from someone like that um she not only she's an amazing goalkeeper but an amazing captain and very influential person and uh both the team and for football in ireland so there's not much you can do in a situation that arises other than like live and learn um and that's what i did for i was lucky enough that when i started playing with the seniors a long long time ago she was there and pretty much all the way through my major development phase um, had her there to ask questions of and watch and learn from so that was uh, really really key and um, I suppose I probably wished I had a um, a bigger or longer time to show that on the pitch as well 
Um, but obviously it didn't happen and that was one of the reasons ultimately for the choice in retirement as well. Yeah, I've played with you at club level and as you said, you kind of, I feel like you've always been there throughout my whole international career pretty much and obviously when Emma was involved, you're kind of the understudy, Lynn Bradley as well, who was involved yeah. years ago. I kind of felt like I really thought maybe you'd get your opportunity after Emma particularly uh, retired. Like, do you yeah. feel like you have any regrets or do you feel like... Like, I, I particularly remember the game against the USA. Um, I yeah. think mostly remembered for that May of incident, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I think you would have lost my head of a lot more if you weren't in goal. You had a great game that day, and I really felt that that was going to be the time where you'd kick on and kind of get your opportunities. Like, but it just it never seemed to really happen. And as you said, you didn't really get the opportunities that you probably thought you deserved. Like, how, how did you handle that as a player, especially as a goalkeeper? Because you know, a lot of the time, you're not going to get your chance to come on as a sub-like. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I did think that when I play, when I got the chance in America and Emma was still around, I think that was like, an, uh, you might remember, it was an unofficial... Yeah, I remember, yeah, we'd have missing a few players. Yeah, so that's why I was thinking, great, like, um, Emma, like, obviously, unfortunate Emma couldn't be there, but great time for me to show what I could do. And I thought I did a, a good job on that. So I thought, I was, I was like, this is the perfect chance to kind of make a statement, um, especially because I think at that stage, Emma had, had kind of voiced that she was uh, thinking about retiring herself. But then at nearly the exact same uh, time, Colin came in and unfortunately Colin just had a preference of a certain type of goalkeeper um, and I don't think I fit those criteria and that's something you have to it was really tough to take but you have to live and learn and you can't be everybody's cup of tea you can't dictate what that certain people like um, and I think uh, being as goalkeeper and being quite a solitary position anyway you have to be a bit mad yeah Exactly. So uh, it kind of, yeah, for a while it sucked and uh, I had to find a, a different route around it. But I learned a lot then in that time that if I was going to make it, that I had to be uh, resilient in different ways. And you have to be able to take those basically being dropped for a while just because you're not their type. Um, and then I really focused on like loving club football. And then that was really what got through, got, got me through it and ultimately got me selected again. Obviously, you're probably one of the the prime examples of players who have shows to stay in Ireland and, and and work hard. And obviously, I know you personally, and I've trained with you, so I know how hard you train and and work to make sure that you are ready for a kind of professional or international kind of games and stuff. Like, did you find it difficult being told that you had to go away? Like, I know you have a very good job and you work hard and you're trying to balance both. Like, kind of was that decision tough for you at the time, or did you feel like? It, yeah. for you personally you had to kind of stay because I know a lot of the girls feel under pressure at times to go abroad and it might not suit everybody you know yeah and uh, like to give you a bit of an insight like I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea to go away and play professional football Um, it's not that I didn't get given the opportunity I've over the years been offered it in numerous amounts of times uh, even for example in 2020 I think maybe six or seven clubs across Europe came looking and knocking um, but ultimately, as a female player, it the money was just terrible. Like some of the clubs, and I won't name the clubs, were offering me two hundred euro. Uh, I don't even know if it was a week or a month. I don't. I, a month was. It, it, yeah, sorry, it was a month because what I worked it out as it wouldn't have even paid my rent in Ireland if I had gone for it. And those are decisions that, like, at the end of the day, I I can't maintain a life on that. And that was a big reason why I didn't 
didn't go away and play. And some of these, like some of these clubs, weren't too far from from Ireland, so it wasn't as if that they they were they were um like the basically the standard of living in these countries was still kind of up not maybe not as expensive as Ireland but you could expect the same kind of expenditure and that was one of the key reasons and I hate for it to be one of the key reasons but like it you have to if it, maybe if I was 21 again I might have done it um for something in around that but it's not sustainable and that's one of the things that I've then decided to stay here and make sure that I can affect the growth of the league but I can still maintain a good standard of living and do all the things that I also want to do. Um, there is a lot of pressure in and around the Irish setups to try and go away and play. Um, and I don't know if if now is the right stage for, uh, I suppose, for, for people, for the transition of the team right now, the international team being uh, basically a, a friendly year. Maybe it is the time for people to go and make that jump but for me this year, it wasn't this stage person time personally. And and again, it was another reason, a big factor why I, I ended up retiring. The, the timing of it, though, Neve, seemed a little bit strange because you were named in the squad one day and maybe 24, 48 hours later, you came out with a statement saying you were withdrawn. Had there not been any discussion between yourself and the management ahead of time? Or is this something you've been thinking about for a while? Or was yeah. it just when you were in the, in, in the camp and you said, you know, I, I just don't feel it, I'm not... It's it doesn't kind of, have draw anymore. A combination of things. Uh, I was trying to fix something in to do with uh, my personal side, like with work and things, before I announced my retirement. And um, the camp actually came quicker than I was able to to do that, so I had to kind of just call it because the camp was getting closer, and I couldn't obviously keep uh, uh, the team waiting or the position from another goalkeeper that would need it to be filled. Um, so, and then again. Uh, for me then it probably i could have gone and played in the camp but ultimately i had my mind made up i just was trying to wait for something to play out which i had to just make the call on and um, so that was the reason for it and again i think uh it, it might come across that in in the footballing world i go oh, it's a bad time to call it if you've just been announced in the squad but again i'll go back to in the irish football team and being a women's national league player it doesn't always revolve around the choices around football. It was the, the life choices that were I was waiting for it to play out. And ultimately, that was the, the, the main driver and the main priority first. Yeah, well, I think you've, you've touched on it. Like, that's kind of the reality of it for a lot of footballers, particularly around their age. Obviously, yeah. you're a little younger than me. But I think when you get into your kind of late 20s, it's not just about going and playing football. You've got the kind of you've got a few different factors to make, like whether you have a mortgage or you're paying rent or you're living somewhere. Like yeah. you think obviously you played in the women's national league from the start with Rahini, Shells, and now Piemont. Like, how far do you think we are away from actually getting a semi-professional league that will maybe encourage players to to be able to kind of get that yeah. balance a bit better? I don't think we're far away at all. I think I think uh, decisions have to be made and there has to be a jump at some point and I don't think it's a big jump from where where we came from I've played in every single league there has been in the Women's National League I can see the massive improvements and like even year on year like since I've joined P-Mount the difference in the teams being in a cross league being more competitive you're not going out and hammering teams and the young players coming through are so much of such a high standard for compared that to 10 years ago or whenever we started the women's national league so i think now it's just literally 
I know that there's probably finance problems in the FAI at the moment, but I just think it's such a good investment for not a huge amount compared to like, I, I, I even see like compared to the men's league, we're not even asking for that. I think it's just something, something needs to be done. And if you can get people semi-pro, we're going to get the Irish women's team qualifying for things then. That's what the ultimate, that's what the prize is for making a semi-professional team here. And like, if we can do that and the ultimate goal is to get the girls now who are in the squad to the World Cup and we can we can do that, then that should be just, it should be a given. Yeah, I think in terms of the centralised, even if it's a case of having a, a number of centralised contracts, uh, yeah. even semi-professional contracts, but it just removes the stuff that you've been talking about and Steph has mentioned on the show before, but the reality of just paying your bills as a, yeah. as a human on the planet. We all have bills to pay and, and been able to do that without worrying about whether you can take that couple of days off work for an international camp yeah. is just not practical. It's a, it's a story that's as old as time. The likes of Sonny Hughes has mentioned it in interviews 10 years ago and uh, reasons yeah. why she uh, pulled out eventually. And and it's it goes on and on and on. Mary Curtin, the same. It, it just it's There's been so many kind of people talking about the, the end of the career and, and I suppose yeah. the reality of just there's no money in it. Steph, I suppose you've had a very different experience um, or maybe the exact same experience on an international scale. How have you seen it compared to what you've experienced in whether it's Italy or France or the States or the UK? Yeah, I think in terms of the growth of this league and I think the closest we'd be to will probably be Italy. I think um, Italy in terms of going professional a lot of their teams are still classes amateur and semi-professional so they're not all being paid full-time wages some of the girls work and some of them play football as well but they're getting subsidized and they're getting kind of help towards the money they're missing out on when they don't work you know when they're playing football so i think in terms of the leagues that i have played in that's probably the closest we could probably i suppose aim for at the moment because as neve said i think the game has grown so much in ireland over the last 10 years and i've obviously been away and i've come back and i can see the competitiveness within the games is it's definitely got better so i think in terms of a model that you could look at maybe this this area in italy is probably the closest i think that we could could look to kind of emulate i think the italians do things a lot different so we'd obviously need a little bit more kind of organization and stuff in order to get there but like i think as i said and as neil said we are close it's just about making that push and, and hopefully it will be before i retire and i'll be able to reap the benefits before we let you go nemo uh, of course yeah. we do have two international games this week and we're playing denmark and belgium um have you any idea because it's very different to the men's game because you probably don't have as much in-depth analysis of the women's international sides um what's your own view on the games even though you're not involved have you yeah. given any thought to them at all yeah it's actually funny enough uh denmark and belgium are two teams that i've never been played against or been in the squad for so i'm really and traditionally the belgians would have a very good men's national team so i'm interested to see uh what what the competitive uh, uh, nature is like for those two teams on an international level i personally think now is the time like get the players who haven't had experience in the pitch the game time and i understand that's what's been being said around the camp as well is that that's the idea of these friendlies especially since there has been no friendlies for vera since she's come in with uh with the pandemic and things like that um and i think it's that's definitely what's needed within the team as well i, I personally feel there's a lot of uh players that have 50 plus caps and there's the other half of the team then who have under 10 caps and there's not many people in, sitting in the middle which i think that's a little bit concerning and i think this year should be focused on that because that's the the difference when you can have 
experienced players coming off the bench and making the difference. And I think that's ultimately another thing that we need to to qualify. So I'd like to see the girls who have been in and around the squad or even some of the new girls getting in and getting minutes and getting experience, um, especially at that level. Uh, and as well, the Women's National League players getting in because that's, again, uh, for us, that's what we work hard for. And a lot of the girls are deserved positions on the team now. Yeah, finally, just, uh, I suppose, like, finally, finally, um, which of those youngsters that have come through in the last maybe 12 months or so are you looking forward to seeing most in Ireland jersey? Uh, with the young young ones, uh, I definitely think the likes of Emily Whelan is uh, an exciting prospect. Like she's very pacey, and she had a really good game at the weekend with Shelburne. Um, so someone like that is is a really interesting. I th- then then think there's even like players that have kind of come through the ranks. I'd love to see our own uh, female player Claire Walsh getting game time, and I think she deserves it with some of the performances of last season. Uh, and then Neve as well, Neve Farley, who's obviously just gone over to. Uh, Glasgow, uh, Glasgow ladies. This was at the end of last year, and um, it would be nice to see her getting some game time too. And I think if they can find the balance between the new players coming in and some of the more experienced players to bring them along on the game, on we could we could see two really good matches and come this coming week. Excellent. F- uh, final question: Did you get a touch on that penalty last week? Oh, do you know, I, I, it I was good. That's why it hit me at some point, and I was trying to. I was like like freeze frame and trying to see it i've seen a picture where i was a bit a bit away from it on the on the dive and then but i it definitely hit me so i don't know if it hit the post and hit me i haven't a clue but i i'll claim it if it was the other end of the pitch i'd be saying it hit my toe <laughs> exactly and look even if i didn't get a touch on the way over i stopped my bun stopped it from going back out to them so i'll take that <laughs> listen Nemo, thanks very much for joining us as ever no worries. And, uh, best luck for the season Thanks, Emil, guys. See Thanks, you later. Neve Reid Burke, they're a fantastic servant to P Mount Rohini and Ireland over the years, and many, many more seasons, I'd imagine, left in the gloves there. Uh, you've had the pleasure of playing with Nemo at a range of different locations, whether it was with Rohini, um, with Ireland, and now with P Mount. What's it like playing with a player of that quality behind you? Look, I think I said it during her interview. I think she's a player who I've played with for a long time and I have a great amount of admiration for her because I know it wasn't easy for her to retire from the international setup. I know it means a lot to her and she she probably wanted to try and compete and get those more caps, you know. I think she's been around, I think she had five caps in what a ten year period or so. So right. I think she That's very- amazing. That's amazing that she only has five because yeah, it's- I was mesmerized by that because as I said, I think that that game against the USA really was the one where I was kind of like, right, she's she's going to be the real deal here. She's She made some great stops. And I think, obviously, as I said, playing with club level and Rahini and, and obviously now with uh, with Shells, or sorry, with Piemont, she's she's just an excellent goalkeeper. And her attitude all the time in training is top notch. Like, she never wants to be beaten. She's not a player who you want to get on the wrong side of either. I'll, I'll admit that too. But, like, she's just an excellent professional. And, and as I said, I think it's a disappointing Thing to see her retire from international, but I'm, I'm happy to be able to play with Global Lover. Do you think it'll make her a stronger player for Piemont in terms of maybe not distracting her or not having a, a an extra worry about Ireland considerations? She can just focus on her club career now. Yeah, look, I think obviously with her not being involved with Ireland, it means that hopefully Piemont can reap the benefits. Uh, I think Neve is very committed to our work as well. And I think she's done a great job balancing everything over the last couple of years. So it's probably one less thing for her to have to balance. And as I said, hopefully Piemont can reap the benefits. But Look, she's been an excellent keeper for a number of years, so I, I can see her being 
in that same position and, and keep uh, performing for a number of years to come. Yeah, and I think she touched on something that maybe doesn't get talked about an awful lot outside of the actual player circles is the reality of just living and the cost of living and the cost of being a professional because you are professional footballers, even if you're not getting paid at the end of the week, you still live the same lifestyle um, in terms of the sacrifices you give up in terms of diet, exercise, social life, relationships and all the stuff that comes with that. Um, about maybe the age profile, we look at, at the likes of Izzy Atkinson or Claire Shine or at, oh, any amount of girls, uh, Neve Farley, Neve mentioned as well, who've gone ab- abroad for that uh, attraction of playing international football uh, or playing club professional football and the reality is those girls are probably taking a huge financial hit to follow that dream um we've seen even Onyo O'Gorman spent a little while at Doncaster and it just financially didn't make sense for her to be a full-time footballer she had to come back and and mix the two again and at the stage of life Nemo's at now in terms of um she's not 21 as she said herself um it, it's a much harder decision to go for maybe a season or two probably maximum um, in terms of a professional career. Um, so sh- I can see that that point, and it, it doesn't get probably talked about enough in the game in terms of the opportunities that are there for 21-year-olds or 19 or 18-year-olds, but not necessarily there for, for girls at, at a different stage of their lives. Yeah, I think, and I was glad she kind of touched on it because it's something that obviously I've experienced myself uh, being professional. I think when I went, I went away kind of when I was 23, to 23 23 I think it was now in France first so I was quite young to a certain extent and I remember my first contract I was on 700 euro a month like like when I think back to that I honestly don't know how I survived um, and at the time I think when you're at that age you're kind of like all right I'm going to play professional football this is the best thing ever it's great and you kind of you're naive in that sense that you don't think oh actually I have to pay my rent with that I have to pay for my internet with that I have to feed myself you know there's there's all these things that you just don't take into account as a young player and I think it's it's good that Neve hit on that because I'd say a lot of players within the women's national league probably have ambitions to go away and and try and get professional football under their belt. But there are a lot of things to consider, and I think it's important for young players to know exactly what they're getting into and and really prepare themselves for when they go away. Because I think unless you're going to an Arsenal like Katie McCabe or a Man City like um, Megan Campbell, it, it's you don't get the, maybe the professional standard of living and pay. And most other clubs, you're not like on the way unless you're going to one of the big names. And it's it's, it's an important uh, thing to bring up because I think, as I said, a lot of players in the Women's National League will probably look to try and go abroad and play professional. So, yeah, just make sure you have the right advice and stuff like that. And, yeah, do the right thing for yourself, not just about maybe being able to say you're playing professional. It has to suit and it has to be, as I said, the right time in your life as well. But also just make sure that you're, you're well able to kind of live because I think I've seen a lot of people in women's football talk about mental health and everything else that comes with it and a big part of that is not being able to live your life the right way when you do go away because you're living off pittance you know <laughs> so it's it's everything it's 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 all worth considering for any young player or even the kind of the older you get yeah and of course the priority level is of course rent wi-fi food <laughs> in that order <laughs> Now, one player who caught the headlines a couple of weeks ago with her sublime long-distance shot against Galway in the opening round of fixtures was the captain of Cork City, Becky Casson. And she joins us now. Becky, how are you Hi, lads. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, we can't see you because uh, a few technical issues with the camera, but we can hear you. Uh, but it's a, pl- a pleasure to have you on. Uh, decent start to the season, a good result, battling back to get a point in Galway. A little bit disappointing uh, last weekend uh, to, to lose to Shells? 
Yeah, good start um, on the road against Galway. I think it was, you know, given, I think, Steph, you'll agree, going to Galway is never easy. Um, it's always a tough game out there against them. So not to come from 2-0 down and then 3-2 was, was really good. Um, a good start, a good good character on the road. Um, and yeah, last weekend was was tough. You know, credit where credit's due. Shells are good. They're a really good side. They uh, move the ball well. I think Turner's Cross suits them. It's a really nice pitch, really wide. Um, and they used it well. To be fair, you know they were they were good, difficult to play against, but it sets a standard. It lets us know where we need to be at for the for the season ahead. Now that doesn't sound like a Cork accent. There's no langers or boys in the end of it. Um, explain to us a little bit about maybe where you're from because you're not a Cork woman yourself. No, um, I'm from Wicklow originally. My mum and dad are both from Dublin direction and I've lived in, well, up until last year, lived in Matrum my whole life. So, yeah, that's that's definitely not a Cork accent that you're hearing there anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I was just recently reminded that you were at the Kilkool Academy with me. And it was only when I kind of actually remembered the name. I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember Rebecca. But you pointed off or pointed out before we came live here that I was a bit older than you, which Brecky <laughs> likes to do every week. So I haven't said it in a few weeks. Kilkool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Academy was run by uh, Tony Pouch, uh, Ewan Nolan, and David. They, they made a great kind of, that's how I ended up going and playing for Stella Mars in the end and a few of the girls. But can you remember your time with the Kilkool Academy? I can, yeah. It was on a Monday night, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, every Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah I used to go because I, I used to have training in Newtown on a Wednesday, I think it was. So Monday nights were the were your chance to kind of go and just have a bit of fun. And then Wednesday was when it was a bit more serious with the team. But yeah, I remember, I remember, I think yourself and Anya were there every now and yeah, again as well. And right, yeah. Yeah, we, we were, uh, all of us were kind of a bit starstruck looking up at you, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was good. It was it was really good to to get that opportunity to get that sort of coaching. Um, so how, how did you go from from Wicklow to Wexford, and what how did you end up in Cork? What was the connection there? You said did you say you were working there as well? Yeah, so I was. I went to college in Carlo, um, and so I signed I signed for Wexford when I was in sixth year in school, and ended up going to college in Carlo. Then, so I was there for four years. So it made sense to to play for Wexford and be in college in Carlo. Um, and then in third year in college, I did a work placement with Cork City's men's team as their strength and conditioning assistant coach with Kevin Tatton. So it was kind of a, I got to know the club kind of from the inside out. Um, was still playing with Wexford at the time, but you know, obviously as as the years went on, I I knew I needed something new and a new challenge. Um, so when Ronan came came calling, it was kind of. A natural progression really to come down to Cork I love the city so it was an easy decision to move you know move my life down here and then moving team was a, probably the more difficult decision just because of you know the change that it that it brings but no it was I'm really happy I made the decision it's been you know brilliant so far to be fair yeah of course uh... I just mentioned captain of Cork City. How much of an honour is it to kind of be accepted, not just by the team, but actually then to be made the captain as well? Uh, do you take a lot of personal pride out of that? I do, yeah, big time. Um, even just, you know, mainly when, when I found out or when I was asked to be captain, knowing how proud my dad would be of it um, because he's been such a huge part of, of like, my football and journey so far. So that was really nice. Um, and then Cork City is such a huge club it's absolutely massive like it's not till you're down here living in the city and around the place that you realize how big it actually is so 
it's it's huge and you know everyone everyone in work is always mentioning it to me and you know saying how cool it is and how huge it is to be captain so it's really nice and it's it's nice knowing that I've put in the work I suppose to be here right now you don't get any perks like I know if you get the freedom of of Dublin you can graze your animals on Phoenix <laughs> Park you don't get any special perks down in Cork or anything like that no uh, not in your first year. I think some perks come in the second year, but I have to find out there. <laughs> They're only telling you that's how you stay next year, is it? <laughs> oh, is that what it is? <laughs> how, how good is it to be back? Uh, well, not back, but to be actually in Turner's Cross as a as a permanent home base this year. Uh, it's a huge boost, I suppose, to the morale of the players to be kind of at the same level as the boys' teams. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, obviously being in Turner's Cross... You know, just saying that sounds brilliant, but the pitch is is really nice. You know, it's a really nice surface. So, and we like to get the ball down and play. So that that suits us as well, probably a bit better than um, Bishopstown at times, just with the way the surface can be. But yeah, it's it's really good, and it, it sets a standard now for for the next few years of, for the club, and I think for the rest of the league for other teams to step up and and realize, yeah, you know what, when we can, if and when we can, we need to get our girls into into the stadiums and into, you know, where the men are playing to be on, on the same level. Um, obviously, Shells are in Tolka, which is which is huge. Wexford have been in Ferry Carrick for a number of years, but I think us moving into Turner's Cross is, is a big move, not just for the club, but for, for the league. Yeah, I definitely think it is. And even just something simple, I actually was working on Premier Sports the other day and Damien Delaney was there and he's from Cork. And he actually mentioned it to me that the girls are playing in Turner's Cross and he kind of said that, like, if he if he was free one afternoon and he heard the game was on Turner's Cross, he'd probably be more likely to go and watch it than than going out to Bishop's Gate. Was it Bishopstown? Bishopstown, yeah. Bishop's Gate's Bishop's where your boyfriend plays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to watch it. So even just something as similar, like as simple as that, I think more of the men's fans as such might actually have more of an interest in coming and watching the girls play as well, which is good to see. That. Yeah, definitely. Um, Damien was actually in with the men's team when I was there, so I would have. Mm-hmm chatted to him quite a bit on a daily basis and he was you know he'd usually say that he's never really seen the women's team play and it was probably because it just wasn't as accessible so yeah Yeah. that's nice that's nice to hear um and I know like some of the men's the men's team would always be you know supporting us and they'll definitely come out to games when they can it'll be nice to have supporters back soon enough hopefully because Cork City supporters are are mental to be honest so to get the shed full will be will be great for us. I know that they'll they'll pack it out as soon as they can for us. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, I think people are going to be so happy just to get back to football. It won't matter what what what's playing, and yeah. they'll be able to support it. And I think the first couple of games after the the lockdowns is eased. I think is going to be huge for everybody, male, female, the whole lot. How much of a difference has Watch LOI made? Because I suppose you're really the first beneficiary there was a range of really good goals not even uh, across the league just in that game in in Terryland or not Terryland Eamon DC Park uh, two weeks ago Rachel Kern scored a great one but it was your last minute or a couple of last minutes um, of the game your equaliser from a long range it was a lovely strike just dipped nicely over the keeper's head into the back of the net um what's the reaction been to that um a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be when I hit it to be honest um I think you you forget or like straight after the game I'd for completely forgotten that watch League of Ireland was even a thing so to me it was going to be all oh, people might see it over the next few days you know when they get the highlights out or the clips out or whatever but as soon as I got back into the dressing room my phone was hopping you know texts from everybody you know people from home and school and 
um, it was really nice, really, really nice because I don't score very often. So when I do, it's nice when people make a deal of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant for the league, you know, that people, I think I've seen tweets from people in America and Australia watching the games and stuff and just have that kind of, that range for people to have the opportunity to watch, you know, when they wouldn't have been able to before is is really good. And that consistency, you know, it's not a few games being streamed here or there or only the big games or or whatever it's it's every game so that's that's really good and it puts I think it sets a standard for us and a kind of an expectation or responsibility for us to step up and be like you know what yeah we're being watched now that little bit more um it's an opportunity probably to showcase ourselves as well for you know you don't know who's going to be watching so yeah it's brilliant brilliant for the league yeah, there's been a couple of uh, new youth players have come into the team uh, over the the winter break. Eva Mangan has kind of caught our attention here on the show, but also um, I can't think of her first name, but Leahy, um, the girl playing Kelly. the field, Kelly yeah. Leahy, that's the one. Um, how much of an addition is is that kind of conveyor belt of talent coming through the club uh, to your first team at the moment? Oh, it's so important. Um, I think Cork has had a really good conveyor belt, you know, of players coming through. Even players like Denise and Claire that have gone on to play um professionally and for, for Ireland and um seeing the younger girls like Eva and Kelly amaze me every day in training to be honest with what they're what they're able to do and how much improvement they're making day to day. It's really important for us because we have such a young team that the girls coming through are, you know, able and ready to step up. And Eva coming in and playing in the first two games has been has been really good and you know I'm I'm always saying to her that there's no pressure on her you know she knows that this is her first first senior season she knows that she needs to find her feet and and really find her way into the league and um what sort of player she is and stuff like that but it is it's brilliant to see already how much they're coming on and and how much of an impact they're going to have in the next over the next few years with city and in the league and I, I think most most teams now have that you know bigger group of younger players coming through and setting a standard so yeah it's exciting it's really exciting and as a midfielder it's nice to have that that bit of pressure from the younger girls too to you know I need to keep my standards up and my starting place is never guaranteed every week when they're performing and training so yeah it's good. Speaking of keeping standards up, I know you lost a couple of players over the, the winter break. Saoirse Noon was on the show last week. We talked to her at length. We also spoke to Kate O'Donovan about her leaving. We're not going to rehash that again. But Abby McCarthy seems to have made a really big impression in the space that was left by arguably your player of the year last year, Maria Sullivan. And now Abby comes in. It looks as if she's been born to play in that position. Uh, she really has... I suppose set the 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 league alight in terms of some of the saves she pulled off that day. The double save against uh, I think it was Rachel Kearns and and Lindsay McKee was just phenomenal. Um, it, is that a flash in the pan or is she a, a, a potentially a, a star in the making? Yeah. Um. Well, she's certainly not a a flash in the pan. Anyway, that's that's for sure. She's um. I think Abby's a bit of a dark horse. You know, she's. I've I think I've always kind of seen her potential there. Um. From when I first came in, she's been. She pulls off. She actually pulls off those sorts of saves in training all the time. You know the girls know how good she is. Um, it's just we didn't. Nobody in the league got to see her last year because Maria was in there, and rightfully so. She's a superb, a superb goalkeeper. But um, yeah, I think we're getting to see now what Abby's capable of. Um, I think she made some really good saves then again against Shells at the weekend. So 
she's she is one to watch out for absolutely and she's only 18 as well which in goalkeeping terms is extremely young you know so to have stepped up Maria even and to have stepped up with very little experience this season you know I have to give give Abby a lot of credit but she's she's more than more than able to be in this position and we have all the confidence in her going forward yeah, she has some decent footwork as well. She took the ball around Rachel Kearns at one stage in that game. Uh, it was very impressively done. Very cool. Collected for eighteen. Uh, Becky, what's the the I suppose the goal for the for the season? You've you've kind of set out the stall with the Galway result in particular in terms of um, the teams that were in around you in the league last year. Uh, what is the ambition for this Cork side? Well, for the season ahead, I suppose we want to finish higher. You know, third place is, is where we're aiming. I think we have to take small steps um you know and develop realistically over the next few years and i think finishing higher than we did last year which was fourth would would be the main goal um beating the teams that beating the teams like you said that are around us getting results and um getting back to the cup final and uh writing some wrongs i think you know it was it was a really good experience and i've said it you know a number of times but credit where credit's due to Payment um and to Steph in particular use her class. Um and it, it really it did. It it taught Don't make us her head any bigger. Don't make her head any bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, it taught us all <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. You have to you have to have those experiences and with such a young team as well, it it's you know, it's so important that you get those experiences as soon as you can in your career, I suppose. Um but yeah, we want to get back there um because we know we're capable of putting on a better performance. So a cup final. Um, appearance and uh, a higher finish in the league, you know, with, with better results throughout the year is, is what we're looking at. Yeah, well, listen, it's, uh, it, you got to the cup final last year, so who's to say you can't repeat that uh, feat again this year? And well, I was really impressed with the game in Galway, particularly where you just had that never say die attitude and you just didn't really look like you wanted to, to leave that game without something and, and you went away with the draw in the end. I think that fighting spirit's going to stand to you. I think Steph might have something to say about the cup final uh, uh, for this year. If she's anything to do with it, you won't win it at least. Uh, she'll be aiming to, to repeat her double from last year as well. Uh, Becky, thanks very much for joining us. I uh, wish you the very best of luck. Hope you get to training okay and get your phone fixed so we can see you the next time you're on the show. Yeah, no, you'll definitely see me next time. Thanks for having me on, lads. No problem, thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Becky Casson there, captain of Cork City. She's been well-travelled down around the southeast. Um, definitely wasn't a Cork accent, but I'm amazed to hear that she actually played in the same academy together, albeit a couple of generations apart, a couple of years apart on that. Um, what's your memories of, of, of Becky maybe as a kid? It's funny because I actually didn't remember until I seen uh, Dave, who who was on one of the coaches on the academy, he he messaged me after, one of the, after the cup final it was and said it, and I was like, I actually didn't remember Becky was there. So she was obviously quite young when I was there. Um, but yeah, look, she's developed into a very good player. Um, when she was at Wexford, I always thought she was a, a young prospect and she she always works hard. She's good on the ball. She showed the technique she has with that strike in the game. But yeah, a very good player. And I think she'll do really well at Cork because I think there'd be a little bit more, um, not I wouldn't say pressure, but there's more of a, she's one of the senior players. She's captain now. So she really has to step up and play. I think she showed that in the first two games. But yeah, as I said, very, very good player, neat and tidy on the ball and, and really works hard. So I'm happy to see her doing well. As she's obviously, as I didn't even know, she's from around my area. She's not too far away from me in Wicklow there. So 
Yeah, and of course, um, Sarah McEvitt has joined her down there in Cork, and we're looking at players that maybe might not necessarily have had the opportunities to play first-team football uh, with clubs in in their own locality, um, and they've made the decision for, for various reasons, not just because they couldn't get into teams. Obviously, that's not the case in, in every situation, but um, for various reasons, whether it's college or work, that, that they end up in other places. How important is it to see those players getting those opportunities to play week in, week out, and really grow into the... The, the roles at various different clubs, not just the same old clubs year after year after year. Yeah, definitely. And I think in Sarah McEvitt's uh, case, I've seen Sarah at Piemont. Now there's Sarah played Gaelic as well. So she kind of wasn't at Piemont all the time. And I was kind of disappointed to see that she wasn't there all the time because in preseason last year, I thought she was a really good player and someone who I actually linked up quite well with. So so when she wasn't kind of around and then obviously she left, I was just a little bit disappointed because I think she is a player who has a lot of potential a very pacey winger and look it's we touched on it a few weeks ago I'm not sure what show it was about players actually going and playing because there's no point in being at a club where I'll be a P-Mount Shells or Wexford but you're not actually getting the minutes you deserve because obviously that's the most important thing particularly for young players in your development it's it's playing football and and getting matches and, and experience within the Women's National League so for me I think it's great to see as I said, Sarah McEvitt, who, who would have been at P-Mount with me, and, and also Becky. Well, Becky kind of got in at Wexford as well, so it's obviously just different reasons for her going to, to Cork too. But it's it's all about playing football, and it's all about getting minutes under your belt at that age, I think. I think that chat was with Neve Kenna from Bowes about Nimi in particular, uh, having been on the bench at, at P-Mount, now kind of scoring for, for Bohemians uh, in the last couple of games, which is which is really, really good. Uh, in terms of the, the Women's National League, no fixtures this week because of the international break, but we do have two Irish games to, to look forward to. Neve no longer involved. Yourself named in the provisional squad. Disappointed not to be in, in the squad for the next two games? Only slightly. <laughs> Yeah, your 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 uh, demeanor says a bit a bit more than slightly. How what's the the frame of mind in, in that situation? Because it's obviously very disappointing. Um, I, I'm not sure how comfortable you are talking about it because I'm sure no. it's still very raw. But but what's what's your own uh, I suppose frame of mind at the moment about international football? Yeah, just disappointing. I think um, we played two games in February with the home base squad, and we played another game last Wednesday, and and I felt it done quite well. I really felt coming out of the games that or given a good display and a good kind of show of what I have to offer. And look, I'm under no illusions. I'm 31. There are a lot of young players coming through. And if I felt like I hadn't got something to offer, I'm quite an honest player. You know, I think if, if I looked around and thought, okay, well, I'm not getting back in here. I genuinely thought coming out of those games that I'd done enough to possibly be considered. Um, I had a chat with Vera and, and I, I kind of have had a few ongoing chats with her. And look, for me personally, I've I've been through everything you can imagine in football and it's about just persevering and keep going and hopefully as I said I'm not getting any younger but hopefully I'll get the call up again and I'm on standby at the minute so we'll see what happens with football you never know what can happen in every game so disappointing but as I said I'll keep persevering and we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, because you've been in this situation before, maybe five six years ago uh, you had a little spell out of the international squad and you came back in Um how much can you tell us about the conversations with Vera? How much can you tell us about, I suppose, where you have been told you fit into the whole picture at the moment? Look, I think obviously conversations between coach and player should be kept private and, and I will keep it private. Um, I think, look, I respect Vera. I respect her decision and I always do with every manager. Um, obviously, you want to be in squads and you want to be able to offer something to the team. So at the moment, I think... Um, the competition in those positions is quite high. Obviously, play up front or, or in that attacking midfield role. 
Um, but look, as I said before, I'm just going to keep working hard and I'll keep doing my best. And as I said, all I can do is when we're in with the home base, I think being in Italy for me was difficult because obviously not just with the pandemic, but before that, Vera didn't really get a chance to see me playing. Um, I was obviously out injured for the whole campaign before she came in as manager. Um, so really, I don't know how much she, she knows about me. Obviously, I know Vera is a, a very... A tactical manager and she does her research and she probably would have watched back quite a few games but I think in terms of this recent squad I haven't really played a lot of minutes in terms of the girls that are there obviously a few of the girls have been around for a long time so I've been around them quite a bit but I wouldn't have played at all in the last campaign I came back at the start of the the most recent campaign and um, for Montenegro when Tom brought me in as he was the um, interim manager at the time so I kind of felt like I could kick on from there and um, I think I was very close to starting that Ukraine game and I didn't start the Ukraine game. And I think since then it was difficult for me. You know, it was hard because you came into games and the, the, the team was almost, not almost picked, but, you know, there's a focus on who was going to be starting and stuff like that. So I kind of had to just try and do my best to get into the team. And obviously there was no, need touched on it, no friendlies with the pandemic and everything that was going on. So that's usually the opportunity that you get to show what you can, what you can do, which I think made not getting into this squad even all the all the more kind of disappointing because I really felt like this could be a chance for me to to be able to show what I can do but look as I said I've been through everything you can possibly be through in football and I think I just need to kind of keep pushing on and keep working hard and the most important thing for me now is to do well with P-Mount and when there are home-based sessions I'll always go in and do my best if I'm invited so it's just about as I said persevering and, and we'll see what happens in the future but as I always say, I'll forever follow the team and, and wish them the very best luck in every game they go into. And when I chat to Vera, that's exactly what I say. I'll be ready and I'll always support the girls. So we'll see what happens. So I have boots and passport ready to go. <laughs> if, <laughs> if <required. laughs> uh, but let's talk about the two games. Obviously, Belgium, Denmark uh, this week. Um, what are our... I suppose, what's the, the likelihood? What are we looking for out of these games? Is it a case of uh, we need to get good performances? Do we want to blood players? Uh, what's the, I suppose, and again, you're, you're, you're kind of involved, so it might be a little bit difficult to talk about certain aspects of this, but what, I suppose, are the, the targets for Ireland or what should the targets for Ireland be um, over the next week or so? Yeah, I think, look, two really good teams, uh, Denmark and Belgium. We haven't, I'm not sure if we've played them before. I know I haven't played either of the teams before. So, so somewhat of the unknown. Um, I'd have to be on the same kind of page as Neve. I think um, it's a perfect chance to give players who maybe haven't had minutes in the qualifying campaign before because obviously Vera was in a difficult position where we didn't have any friendlies with the pandemic. And it's it can be so hard when you have a squad of players and you only have kind of five days together before the game comes up. So it's all about kind of preparing for that game. Whereas these games, I think, give it a perfect chance uh, to see these players who, who maybe haven't been kind of getting the minutes with her and you can see what they can do at that level. And I think it's, as I said, the perfect chance to to have a look at every player who's kind of maybe on the fringes or has a few caps, maybe doesn't have any caps. Um, so I think that's kind of what we'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I could be wrong, I think. I don't know everything from from within the camp, but I, I would imagine that's what's going to happen because I think a lot of the players that that haven't been playing will definitely be be chomping at the bit to show what they can do in these two games. So it remains to be seen where you can watch these games, but of course we play Denmark today, uh, Wednesday evening, and then we travel to Belgium 
on Saturday evening for those two international friendlies for the women's national team. Uh, Steph, hopefully you get that call. Um, realistically, probably at this stage, uh, as we're recording this today before the, the game, it's probably unlikely, but um, wishing you the best of luck um, if that call does come through in the next couple of days. H- however, to the girls who are now wearing the jersey this weekend, um, it's going to be great to kind of see them back in action and to to look forward to uh, some new faces and some maybe some uh, not so new faces taken to that jersey over the next couple of days. Um, Steph, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about that big top of the table clash between yourselves and shells. Uh, you must be getting get, getting excited for it already. I hope you're not looking for some of those shells girls. Maybe pick up a couple of niggles over the international break, just in injury time against the Belgians, just to kind of I'll just come back with a bit of a, a little bit of a niggle just to, ahead of the game. You wouldn't be thinking like that, no? No, not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't feel good beating them without some of their best players. <laughs> well, you probably get over as well. <laughs> Steph, uh, thanks very much again for this week. To Reed Burke and Becky Casson, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back with you again next week. From me, Breffney, and from Steph, see you later. See you guys.